Welcome to Why Though. We're your hosts, Tiffany Bloom and Ashley Abercrombie. We land somewhere in between Mother Teresa and Biggie Smalls, and we're just wondering, why though? We all have questions, from our existential crisis curiosities to our, hey girl, why your eyebrows look so good though? And we want to tackle all of those questions with you. Welcome back to Why Though. We are thrilled to have you guys joining us again for another episode this week. We have something so special. I have been waiting and counting down the days. I'm not even going to start with whatever random thing is happening in our lives right now because I just want to get right into it. Um, I have been very, very excited for us to have this interview with my dear friend, Amy. In fact, she's Dr. Amy, and she wrote this beautiful book called My Body Is Not a Prayer Request. And Tiffany and I love what she's written and love the content that she brings. And I had the pleasure of being in a writing group with Amy for two years and got to hear her read every week and share And I am telling you guys, when I say that she's one of my favorite writers of all time, I genuinely mean that. Her work is so completely compelling. I don't know if Mm. you've sat down with some readers where you're like, this is so freaking good. Like, Mm. she is a writer's writer. So she's not even just like, hey, she wrote a great book because it is great, but like a writer's writer. So for those of you who really love reading and reading words and like, good sentences and beautiful phrasing and visual pictures that come to life like Amy is your girl. So I want to tell you a little bit about her before we introduce Amy. Um, So she's got a PhD from the University of Sussex. So I'm sure that at some point in this conversation, Tiffany will have some thoughts about English, um, (laughs) you know, things because she lived in England for a little while. Amy, if you didn't know that. And we have a lot of hilarious shenanigans on this show um, about England, including the fact that I thought you could drive to Scotland once. Anywho, um, is so Amy is a disabled scholar whose research focuses on medical and bodily themes in literature. She's also a Shakespeare lecturer at the University of California, Riverside, and is on the editorial board of Shakespeare Bulletin. Just no big deal. And Amy is a member and scribe of the Freedom Road Global Writers Group hosted by Lisa Sharon Harper, and she's written for outlets like Sojourners about disability in the church. She serves on the Mayor's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Task Force in her home city, and she coordinates support for people experiencing homelessness and is co-launching Jubilee Homes OC, a permanent supportive housing initiative in her local community. Amy's also been featured in Teen Vogue and all kinds of other places because she's a remarkable human friend and writer and i am so excited to introduce you to amy so amy say hello to our people oh my goodness what an introduction (laughs) thank you so much that was way too generous and i'm just thrilled to be here chatting with two brilliant fabulous women (laughs) oh we're so pumped to have you we have been as ashley said just itching to hear more and share you with our why though listeners Mm -hmm. so would you tell us a little bit beyond the bio tell us um how you got, first of all, you're a professor of Shakespeare, which is probably mm-hmm. the coolest thing, one of the coolest <laughs> job titles of guests we've ever had. Yes. Um, so I'm here for that. But I would love to hear um, a little more of your journey. Tell us your, tell us your story. Yeah, so I am a Shakespeare professor, and I hate Hamlet. And I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure to mention that to everyone, because that's what everyone wants to talk to me about. I mean, he hates women, and he's mean he to his mom. What's the deal? Why do we like him? <laughs> anyway, so I'm more of a um, I'm more of a Titus Andronicus vibes kind of girl, 
And so that's the one where at the end, Titus kills his daughter's attackers, chops them up, puts them in a pie and serves it to their mom. And so, <laughs> oh, I love yeah, this. Here for that. Yeah, it's fried so. green tomatoes energy. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Ashley, that is so you energy, by the way. That whole vibe. She's like, don't fool with me. You know? That's why we're that's friends. True. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I don't think you'd serve it to their mummy, but still. No, shoot. still. I would. <laughs> yeah, so I... I think, you know, what I, what my job title is, is Shakespeare lecturer, but I think what I actually teach is compassion mm-hmm. and getting students to really see themselves in the story of another. And mm-hmm. maybe not in that particular moment, but all of us have had experience with hate and revenge and love and desire. And it is also a great way to get students to consider things that they haven't had experience with, like disability or racism or, you know, so it's a way to start a conversation about how we're all human. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Amy, you got to unpack that glorious accent of yours. So take us (laughs) back even farther. Yeah. So I'm from Australia. I am the descendant of convicts, and I have also lived in London. I did my PhD there, and I worked at the Globe there, and it was, that was a wonderful experience. And then I now live in Southern California. So oh I'm really goodness. going for those Citizen of Heaven vibes. Yes, you are. <laughs> you my accent in all the most too. wonderful places, too. Yes. Like, and you're in, did you say Orange County now? Yes. Oh, yeah, girl. But to be clear, Amy is in the Fullerton area, for those who know. Yes. So, um, right. you know, it might not be what you're thinking it is. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> Amy, we always exactly... have to clarify the OC yeah. situation for everyone. Absolutely. And Ashley that's exactly has to why... clarify the yeah. OC situation for everyone, which I appreciate. I do. Geography lesson. It's good. It matters. It really yeah, does. Yeah, I had that episode on what is the South that you did. Yeah. <laughs> I learned a lot. I learned a lot, I'll tell you. But that's exactly why I'm invested in supporting my neighbors who are unhoused because mm-hmm. Orange County is such a mix of things. And one of those things is exorbitantly expensive. So right. it's really important to me to make sure that our neighbors who live in our community but don't have homes are also treated as image bearers and also given the support that they deserve. Right. And where does this you know, compassion to do justice come from? Like, where did you first identify this in yourself? And how did you come to a place of advocacy and teaching others and building a way for others? Like, how did you get here? Yeah, I grew up in a home where we always had an extra seat at the table. Mm. And we didn't have you know, we, we kind of went through different periods of not having much money or having enough, but there was always room for more people to eat with us, to be in our home. And these would be anyone from people who were experiencing homelessness to people who were dealing with addiction or recovery or people who were our friends or neighbors. So we had just kind of a revolving door of mm. Uh, a motley crew of characters coming in and out of our home and sometimes staying with us and all the time they were welcome and it was never it was never an us and a them it was never pity or charity it was just this is extending the what we have to others Mm. and as an introvert that was sometimes frustrating to have people around all the time but I think what it instilled in me at a really young age was this idea that there is no us and them when it comes to the kingdom come on and there is no hierarchy of bearing God's image 
whether you are disabled or not disabled, regardless of your race or ethnicity or background or housing situation, you bear and radiate God to the rest of us. And that was just so evident to me because, of course, my friend who was dealing with drug addiction or alcohol recovery or who was dealing with homelessness was an image bearer. That was just so obvious to me at a young right. age because I had such intimate experiences with folks. Right. Yeah. Oh, it's so beautiful. That hospitality lives in you. I mean, you are so kind and so thoughtful and um, you, you feel like a welcome. Like you literally feel mm-hmm. like home whenever I'm in your presence. And I think that that is something I can see if that started in childhood, that is something that you so wonderfully embody for the rest of us. And I'm so grateful to have that because I feel like this we're living in this time where neighborliness is hard won, and you really do have to fight for it and, you know, have have good, healthy boundaries, but also fight for neighborliness and people I feel are losing their humanity. I was on Twitter not minding my business again yesterday. And unfortunately, <laughs> that led to like a whole series of ridiculous comments that I was fielding this morning. And I really should just have never commented in the first place, but I just couldn't help myself. Mm-hmm. And then I just was watching the replies to me and being like, how can people say these things? <laughs> like, yeah, How can yeah. you have such strong opinions about me as a full on straight? Stranger, how can you say these things? And so I'm curious how you've remained so hospitable in a world like this. Lots of therapy and ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) I think I think one of the things that I'm struck by is that you've remained hospitable even maybe when that hospitality hasn't been extended to you. Yeah, and that is that's really um, poignant to me right now. And I want to circle back on what you said about image bearers. I was recently reading and sharing um, with some women of this idea of image bearers is it was totally turned on its head when when Jesus came, because before that it was these elite kings and they would their image was the one to be to be bore to the people. And so they would build these statues of themselves. You know, we think of Nebuchadnezzar and that was the image of God to the people, to the oppressed, to the impoverished. And that was what they were told was the image of God. If you wondered what God was like, look at this statue of the king who wasn't ever thinking about the people. And then Jesus comes and we, we, we kind of find ourselves as all these image bearers and we're all co-heirs and this idea that we don't need to create the image of God because it's already been created in us. And so even as you share the people that you had experiences with in your, in your youth, that's the first thing that it made me think of is like you had such a proper understanding of image bearers. So neighborliness was the, was the outcome of that, of that internal understanding. And, and I think just as Ashley said, that's so hard to remember right now, especially when people be acting like fools in these streets, you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Yes. Oh yes. We all do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think that when Jesus talks about serving the least of these and feeding and clothing and supporting the least of these, we really want to spiritualize that a lot of times in church spaces and make it this super Jesus-y thing. And really Jesus is talking about feeding and clothing and visiting folks and just being Mm -hmm. present with them. And so the work that I'm involved in in my community is exactly that. It's loving our neighbor through full bellies and clean clothes. We hang out at the laundromat. We do laundry Mm. together. We eat pizza together. There's no handing out, you know, tracks to evangelize or to try to proselytize people into 
behaving or believing a certain thing. It's just showing up, being present and treating people as you would want to be treated. Yeah. It's ordinary and needed. It's ordinary, yes. Mm. And it also takes so much time. Like, it's, it's a different pace, which I want to read something from your book in the chapter Disabled God, because I wanted us to have this wonderful conversation about time. Um, this is so powerful. Okay, I have witnessed my scrawny, frigid, sapphire leg transform from bone to muscle and back to bone. Even the miracle of shaving my legs was once unattainable to me, and likely it will be again. My body is an ever-ticking clock, yet it doesn't always move forward or even move consistently. It reverses, speeds up, and works in slow motion. To some, this might seem scary or strange, but to us, it is liberating. We are not confined to the rigid clock, only able to advance incrementally before resetting again tomorrow. We move freely and fluidly. Disability helps us understand God in a different capacity because we know what it means to shift backward and forward in time with no justification for progress or regression. We know how we have worth and value even when the minutes and hours and years pass without us accomplishing anything. We know because we've had to learn a life outside time. Imagine if our work schedules, parenting duties, or social calendars were shaped around our unique needs and daily ability, not by cultural imperatives and economic mm. demands. Longevity. We desire longevity in life, relationships, and careers. We celebrate someone who retires after decades on the job. We are in awe of couples who celebrate their 50th anniversary, yet we do nothing to make our lives sustainable beyond collective praise and individual prowess. We create punishing schedules within demanding systems that show little concern for our well-being. We kill ourselves to speak clock. Our mode of living is fast-paced, instant gratification, workaholism. Those of us who are disabled cannot keep up. No amount of pushing myself harder has changed the fact that I am disabled. And believe me, high school, high school me certainly tried. I live by mm -hmm. spoons, not clocks. Crip time has given me a rich understanding of God's relationship to time. Uh, I mean, I oh want to read this gracious. entire chapter to <laughs> our listeners. Wow. <laughs> it is mind-blowing. But talk to us about time, and let's talk about this world that puts these demands and pressures on us. And what can we learn from you, Amy, on how to resist that? Like, teach us. Yeah, thanks. This is one of the things that I think disabled body minds can really teach everyone, because my body doesn't fit into a calendar or a clock in the way that we can kind of fool ourselves, our bodies do when they're young and non-disabled. Of course, we know, you know, spoiler alert, it, no one's bodies fit into capitalism and productivity and yeah. perfection and constantly pushing ourselves to produce, right? Right. But non-disabled folks can sort of fool themselves longer into thinking that they can hustle into making it. Mm. And disabled bodies really prove that to be false. Some days I can't get out of bed. Some days my husband helps me put my socks on. Mm -hmm. Some days I can move around without any assistance. And the important thing that isn't that I'm less than on those days where I need more support. It's just realizing that that's a part of what it means to be human. Right. And I think it helps us understand Jesus too. You know, Jesus is moving at a slow pace right. he's not in a hurry he's not mm -hmm. hustling right. he moves at the speed of love right and what if we could as well <gasps> okay i'm gonna need to take a smoke break i will be back in five um <laughs> i i 
I, I know I am oh. and our listeners are deeply convicted right now because we are constructing this way that makes us feel proud and in yep. control and on the throne of our own lives. And I love this understanding that this is where we can sit at the feet of our disabled brothers and sisters and they are more aware mm-hmm. and in tune with some of those limitations that bring us closer to the heart of God. Yeah. I also love in your book, you have this quote that is disability isn't a metaphor for weakness. And I feel like on this same topic, I want to just drive that home. So can you talk about that? Because it, that isn't what disability is, but that is how most of us have been formed to think. So in light of time and in light of this sort of capitalistic society that we live in, can you tease that out for us some more? Like talk to us about what it means that disability isn't a metaphor for weakness. Yeah, so many of us have been taught that being non-disabled is the norm and being disabled is this sort of tragic state that is weak and a little pathetic. And and most of us won't say that part out loud, although that's been said right to my face. (laughs) But most of us won't say that part out loud, but somewhere inside we think that disability is tragic and something connected to pity and weakness and being less than. Right. And I think disability is actually a gain. It has taught me so much about my worth, that my worth isn't wrapped up in whatever accolades I may have or whatever I've accomplished. It's simply intrinsic to my being because I'm an image bearer. Mm, And because I am wholly loved and cherished by the creator of the universe. Mm. And that doesn't change on days when I can't get out of bed or when I need more support with kind of daily activities. It doesn't change using my wheelchair. That's just how I get around the world. And so if we could reframe disability not as a loss, but as a gain, as mm. a culture, as a vibrant creative force that hmm. allows us to reimagine the world, then I think we would be a lot further along when it comes to inclusive churches and other spaces, because it would allow us to understand that I am uniquely creative because I live in a world that isn't built for me. Mm. One of the things that I appreciate as you share is this, forgive how honest this is, but just this takedown of the prosperity gospel. Yes. Um, And I really, really appreciate it. Um, I I have a disabled sibling. My husband has a disabled sibling. And we, growing up in church and and him as well, it wasn't always the normal or things didn't fit. And I've always had such a, such a, gut knee-jerk reaction to this idea of the prosperity gospel involves our health in a way that is so so toxic and I think that first of all I'm just so glad that you're here to help us lead the way but I also am so grieved that this conversation is so behind and I'd be curious um to to for your insight on why you think that might be Yeah, thanks for connecting that to the prosperity gospel. What a toxic and limited view of what wellness is and what healing is. One of the things that I hear a lot is that if I just believed, I wouldn't have to use my wheelchair anymore. 
or what sin is preventing you from getting up and running is another one that I'm asked a lot. Mm. And I think my most generous self would say (laughs) that I think that in those moments, people have been so discipled into prosperity gospel that they can't experience the biodiversity of humanity that includes Mm. disability. And they think that what is good is limited to this perfect body that is non-disabled. And that's not what we see in scripture. Right. So many characters from Jacob to Jesus, from Mosaic to Isaac, to Timothy, to Mephibosheth are disabled. Mm -hmm. And they are at the forefront of the work that God is doing with humanity. So it's kind of strange to then say, God can only work with you or in you or through you if you are somehow non-disabled. That's just not yeah. what we see in scripture or in our lives. Right. Yeah. That Going back to what you just first said, what is good is not always perfect. Like this idea yes. that if, if you are yeah. good, if God has blessed you, therefore you're perfect. And that is, that negates the need for Jesus, first of all. <laughs> And it, and and as you said, it doesn't create a full picture. Yes, and it also makes us less human, because we are supposed to need. Yeah, there is yeah. this thing within the culture that we live in, and even the churches that we grew up in. For some people, the families that we were raised in, we are taught that need is weakness, and we are taught that if you have any needs, you should hide them, try to figure it out on your own, try to cover them, and it hinders us from having you know, these rich, intimate connections where we are able to admit that we have needs and admit that we need each other. And I know it's so scary to need another human. I mean, I just, I think especially after what we've walked through the last couple of years and we're learning, like, who can we still trust? And who should we be in relationship with? And how do we re-engage with others and with the world and with people? And, you know, this idea of need not being okay is such a weird concept and i love amy that you teach us to embrace that and that it's not something we have to get rid of and it's not something that we should figure out before we come to god or before we come to one another and i think we're delusional truly and in big time denial if we are unwilling to admit our needs and unwilling Mm -hmm. to open ourselves up to others and i appreciate that you found such rich room in your life to teach us uh, knuckleheads (laughs) (laughs) your word it's a good one though i'm I'm here for that (laughs) yeah and it it deals in shame right that's it it means that when we do have needs we feel so ashamed Mm. that we often hide them and then that only increases the harm to ourselves and those around us Mm. and that's not being in a beloved community right you know if if we take galatians at its word that it's bearing one another's burdens that fulfills the law of Christ, Mm. then when you have needs, that is a gift that you are giving of interdependence and fulfilling the law of Christ to your community. I I feel like this, um, this connection from need to shame is one I would like to continue to unpack. Um, And, Listeners, you are so spoiled because yes. we are going to do part two with Dr. Amy Kinney. Yes. And I am just like over the moon. We don't often do this with guests, but you, you, we can't limit this woman to no. 20 
three minutes. How could no. we? Not possible. <laughs> it's unacceptable. Unacceptable. <laughs> so I, I, even as you connected the dots there for me of need to shame and how that is pervasive in everyone's lives, yeah. um, I am so eager to continue to learn at your feet. So why the listeners? We're going to be right back next week next thursday hold tight tell us what you learned from this episode reach out hashtag why podcast i'm sure you can slide into ashley's dms my dms maybe even dr amy's dms i don't know Do but it. uh we're here <laughs> we're all learners here and yes uh, dr amy thank you so much and we're so excited to have you back next week yeah thanks for having me and do not forget to pre-order her book my body is not a prayer request and we're going to put all the details in the show notes she's also a very fave follow on the instagram and we'll link to everything thank you amy see you next week bye-bye hey listeners remember to subscribe and comment it helps others to find the show to learn more about tiffany's writing speaking or books visit tiffanybloom.com to learn more about ashley's writing speaking or books visit ashabercrombie.org see you next week